How will architectural design be transformed by robotics and artificial intelligence? To find the answer, I quit my job as an architect in New York and came to Germany to study how the emerging technologies can be integrated with architecture. Here at the University of Stuttgart, I discovered a community of pioneers who are pushing the boundaries of contemporary design and engineering. Welcome to Archidrifter, a podcast where I interview my colleagues and share our discussions with you to provide a glimpse of how we drift away from architecture in order to imagine the future of it. My name is Peng Fei. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I'm going to talk to Meng Xi, who is also a former New Yorker with an architecture background. She recently left Stuttgart and started a new role as a robotic engineer at an aerospace engineering company in Luxembourg. I'm excited to learn more about her new journey. Okay, hi, Meng Xi. Welcome to our podcast. Hello. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah. So you are now currently in Luxembourg. Yeah. And doing some cool stuff in aerospace engineering. Yeah. Sounds super exciting. But I know you're from an architecture background. Yeah. Actually, you studied architecture in one of the best architecture school in the U.S., which is Pratt Institute. And then you decided to come to Germany for an interdisciplinary program. Yeah. So it sounds like a quite unique path. Could you like briefly introduce yourself? Yeah. Like, yeah. What you what you have been doing in the past several years? Yeah, of course. Uh, so first of all, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I I actually did two years of high school in America. Um, and then at the time when I was choosing majors, I would, I didn't know what are all these disciplines. I kind of know, okay, I want to be a little creative, uh, but as well as not like, like completely fine art. Um, yeah, so I think that's also the reason a lot of people uh, in the end chose architecture. So I kind of, uh, when I was applying for colleges, I just applied for like, like the architecture schools um, in the US. Um, and then I got accepted to a few of them. And then I chose Pratt because uh, it's in New York. I really wanted to study in New York. So uh, yeah, I went there, I studied architecture. It was very different from what I expected. Um, I thought I would like be able to learn a lot of the technical aspects, like how to like draw technically, how to uh, build models technically, but it was very much uh, like very conceptual. I, I think it also depends on which school you go to, they have different focuses, but at Pratt, um, it was very like conceptual. And I, um, for the most part, I just focused on like how to make things, how to um, like uh, fabricate models um, specifically. Uh, so I built a lot of models. I worked in like uh, all the fabrication shops that I, kind of during the time uh, found, found my love for like 
making things and technically how to how to make things uh, whether you should use uh, which tools you should use to like accomplish certain tasks yeah so that's what i focused on and uh after i graduated um i started to uh explore more in in like digital fabrication realm um and then i i worked at a school like sva's uh, fab lab and i met someone uh sva yeah. uh, school of visual art yeah, school in new york city visual art. Uh, so it's one of the best uh, art design school in new york yeah uh, so i worked in their lab as like a technician um so mm-hmm. and oh, cool. yeah and then some some uh co-workers uh started to explore more about uh like grasshopper and programming things so immediately i'm, I'm like okay i learned grasshopper before uh, but I, that wasn't my focus uh during college but i saw how like uh he was able to use this and able to like customize things um like with programming and develop uh plugins and everything and so i started to think like okay i have some experience in grasshopper um but i didn't focus on it i feel like this can be a very useful tool if i want to get more into the technical aspect uh, of things so i can like uh, customize things uh, with programming so before i was using other people's tools like software tools to make my things and then something for me clicked if i learn now how to like uh, program things then i can make my own tools to make things and then i don't need to be so limited with the tools that's only available uh, like on the market but that's exactly it's yeah. like the best carpenters usually make their own tools yeah for wood, yeah like work. which i think i knew that uh from a hands-on experience like i made i made a lot of uh like mod like physical models um and then i was mm-hmm. making my own tools to help me with making physical models but I never really like during college, I never really connected. Okay. Like it's the same way with, uh, like digital tools. Um, so I think that's, uh, like when I was working at SVA, that's, um, that's where it started to connect. Like, okay, I I can do the same thing. Um, instead of using other people's software, I can, start to develop my own software tools to do certain things. So I really like wanted to focus on that aspect. Um, I mean, digital fabrication before this technician job at SVA, you were mostly interested in building the physical models by hand. Yeah. But after this experience, uh, you get more into this realm of uh, connecting the digital world with the, this kind of physical fabrication process yeah yeah and also like uh utilizing customized 
softwares to accomplish uh, some tasks that I previously can only use other people's software tools to be. What kind of software were you using yeah. at that time? I was, uh, well, I guess mostly still Rhino, um, like to build things. Uh, and I used like Fusion 360 uh, for some CAD, like industrial design. Yeah, I think for modeling, those two are what I used the most. And then like, uh, I used a lot of CAM tools um, to like generate the toolpaths or CNC machines, um, and then, uh, yeah, different CAM softwares. I think Fusion has a CAM software, and then like Rhino, mm -hmm. Rhino CAM um, also. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think, and I'll, I just use so like, CAM means computer aided manufacturing. Yeah, yeah. So the so, software basically convert the digital model into a, a fabrication file that's ready for the machine yeah. to read. Yeah. Yes. Well, do you have like a thesis project for the for a bachelor's degree or like a final project? Yeah, I, I I'm just gonna talk about the model itself because I feel like the project was like very conceptual and uh, I worked with my friend um, Nitsan Koren on like the project and uh, I was mostly responsible for like the production of the model and uh, yeah, like in the shops making things. So the final model we made like uh, a lot of handmade, but also like using different fabrication tools like CNC, 3D printing, we kind of mushed a lot of things together in order to make uh, the final model. So the base of the model, we did like a um, cast of wax and concrete or uh, cement. And then when you mix these two materials together, uh, somehow like, well, they are all in liquid state, like they form these like very interesting bubble-like shape. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, so we made that, like we made a giant cast of uh, concrete and wax. So our final model was like completely solid. <laughs> like it was really heavy and really hard to move. Um, and then on top of it, uh, we used like uh, 3D printing a lot to build like the small houses. Um, yeah, and the structures, uh, yeah. Wow, sounds like a lot of advanced uh, fabrication techniques using in your uh, bachelor's thesis project. Yeah. I guess uh, it sounds like you developed this like strong interest and the skill set in digital fabrication in your yeah. undergrad yeah, education. Yeah, sure. So we actually we met each other on the kind of virtual architecture community called yeah. Arkinect. <laughs> I wonder if people still use still use that. Uh, oh, yeah, when I was, <laughs> yeah. yeah, when I was like applying for this program in uh, University of Stuttgart, it seems like uh, not many people uh, talking about it. But it seems like they're doing some really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. How did you discover this program? Yeah, I actually. Stuttgart? 
discover I think that's one thing that that's one other thing that's good about Pred is like you you get exposed to so many things. So I actually I discovered the program uh when I was in fourth year, I think. Um the because architecture in the US has Yeah, five you're in years. the yeah, we're both yeah. in the five year program. Yeah, so um so in fourth year, like we uh, the we started to do some experimental things, uh, like it's more conceptual, and then some studios would do this, and some studios would do that. So you can kind of choose. I didn't specifically do a studio that's like directly related to the uh, ICD or iTech program, but. Um, I met a professor um, uh, who is in that um, that realm of work, and uh, I uh, like one time I told him like I'm going to visit Germany just for like just for fun, um, and then he was like, "Oh, are you gonna go visit ICD?" And then I was like, "What's ICD?" <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, I, like, there's some other people next by, and they're they all like kind of know ICD, I guess. Um, so I kind of, uh, like at the time when we had that conversation, we I didn't really know. Uh, so I looked it up. Okay, and then okay, this is uh, ICD. This is what they're doing, and then I kind of just. Put it in the back of my mind. I really didn't really think too much about it um, mm. until after I graduated, and then I worked at the fabrication shop in SVA, and then I started to uh, like. I I remembered. Okay, there is this program in Germany <laughs> that's like that that's like focusing on this area. Yeah, and when I was working after I graduated uh, in the U.S., it was um, very difficult for uh, visa and stuff. So it was very hard for me to concentrate, uh, concentrate on like actually learning. Um, and then that, of course, in the U.S., like things cost, like education costs a lot. Um, so I didn't want to spend that much money also so uh i remembered this program in germany uh and then looked up it's affordable uh, for me so i was like maybe i should go there yeah so that's kind of how it happened <laughs> yeah yeah i guess if you're interested in either computational design digital fabrication or robotic fabrication like ICD, uh, the Institute of Computational Design at the University of Stuttgart is probably like one thing you would never ignore. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I guess I am similar. I think I, I didn't know University of Stuttgart or ICD at all before yeah. the pandemic uh -huh. because that was in the Very kind of good. traditional quite like a typical architecture student career path yeah. i graduate i got a job yeah and then just continue working yeah. and then yeah, yeah. Uh, working towards my my architect lessons and yeah uh, climbing in the, the in the 
hierarchical structure mm-hmm. inside a foreign corporate. But uh, eventually, I think without the pandemic, I would never like uh, think about what I really want to do. But during the lockdown time in New York, I really spend time and then mm-hmm. try to discover my true passion. And then that's when I found some lectures and cool research from ICD. Uh-huh. So you discovered uh, like everything on your own. Like you didn't have a friend to show you, like you just online and then searched and yeah. then you find bombs. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's, that's very I cool. just uh, randomly randomly discovered this program on <laughs> on the internet oh actually no i think i was like introduced to this field by a co-worker at that time oh, okay in new, in new york uh there was like this digital future event uh, yeah. in uh, new york because of or, the, no like, that was the first year completely online mm-hmm. because of the pandemic yeah and that gave me this chance to like fully observe what people are doing yeah. in this subcategory of architecture, which is the digital uh-huh. uh, design or digital fabrication. Yeah. But before that, I was not. I, I was always very interested in this field because I actually I was a teaching assistant for a computing in architecture oh, class okay. when I was in grad school, mm-hmm. and I was always interested in this new computational tools, but was never like a. Who, like really spend my time investigating in this yeah but especially in in the office typical office job in the architecture profession i feel like we have this kind of resistance of two new technologies mm-hmm. like we always prefer to use <clears throat> whatever we are already familiar with yeah i think what you are talking about is not unique like it's like it, they have their certain ways of working that they know already works like why would they want to spend that much energy into like new new ways of working i yeah like now i think back like if i uh just echoing what you were saying like if like if I after I graduated, because I also tried to look for architecture jobs, I, I if I got accepted in any of the architectural offices, I might have done the same as you. I, I tried to look and no, no architecture offices. Uh, I didn't get into any like architectural design offices. So yeah, it's like when once there's a, a window closed, there might be another door open for you. Yeah, I guess you're you're lucky that you didn't get the typical the common architecture job, and then you got something more exciting. <laughs> now I look back, yes, but at the time it was like, oh, I need a job to sponsor my visa, and I can't, <laughs> I can't find one. So yeah, at the time it was really yeah, scary. I know. Yeah. yeah, I also experienced that whole like stressful period mm-hmm. after graduation as an international student. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, which year did you graduate? Actually, I got my first job in 2014. 2014, okay. 
Oh, lucky. Yeah. Obama was still the president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it made everything much easier. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, you were in the kind of more difficult time. Actually, when I graduated, like it was 2019. Um, so like it was a kind of like half year or a, almost a year before pandemic. So at the time I graduated,、mm-hmm. the job market was not too bad. Like WeWork was still like. Pretty big at the time. Oh yeah,、uh, yeah. A lot of people went there、um, from architecture.、Uh, yeah, and then yeah,、oh, it was yeah. like so so many architecture graduates. Yeah, we work. Yeah, they 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 were still pretty big at the time I graduated. So a lot of、mm-hmm. places are still hiring, but somehow I just maybe part of my own resistance and part like. In parts, like I didn't really change myself to be an ideal applicant as an architectural design, architectural designer. Yeah, so yeah, so you prefer the alternative way. Yeah, I I knew I didn't want to go to the traditional architecture realm. Yeah, it's kind of like the. In the optimization pro,、uh, algorithm,、mm-hmm. sometimes when you get stuck in the local、yeah. optimum, it's hard to get out. But、yeah. if you miss that local optimum, you can probably find like a better, like even the global optimum.、Uh-huh. That's so, that's a very、yeah. good analogy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's how I felt. Like a, the pandemic is like an earthquake for me.、Mm-hmm. Uh, so、yeah. I shake me out of my local optimum. Yeah, I'm trying to find another, trying to find the global optimum. I don't know if that exists or not, but still looking. Yeah, for you, it's like you have to give up more than, like, when I did it. Like you were there for a long time, and you have a stable job, and you have your visa. So yeah, I I don't know if. I'm in your position. Like, if I would do a completely like switching country, a lot of things you have to rebuild. So, yeah, that's I, that's very brave. After like so many years、mm-hmm. living there, I feel like I already have like my my roots kind of growing、yeah. into the earth. Yeah. But I think it's nice to have this earthquake, <laughs> the, the pandemic, and、yeah. this. This kind of really loosen up the, the earth around my roots, so make me give me more freedom. But but I think one thing I learned from during the the dark time of New York during the lockdown、uh, was that life is short. Yeah. And if I, people can die anytime. Yeah. After seeing so many people、uh, tragically passed away during the the couple of months、mm-hmm. at the beginning of pandemic, I really like really gave、yeah. me. Perspective,、uh, new perspective on life. Yeah, I I just remember, yeah, like when you called me, like、um, I I was like you you talked about your situation and then you were accepted in uh, uh, like the Harvard program and the ICD. I was like, there's he's probably gonna stay there. <laughs> he's not gonna come here like all the way. And then I was like really surprised that when you said you decided to come to Germany, yeah. Yeah, I think also、uh, living in Europe, it has always been in my mind. I always have this fantasy of spending a couple of years in living in one of the European cities and then 
uh, can see all the like ancient mm-hmm. heritage of human civilization yeah. that only exists in yeah. <laughs> some, right. some, okay. some parts of Europe. Uh, so you moved to Germany during the pandemic. How was that experience? Yeah, um, it kind of sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was in New York, uh, and then we were hearing like, "Oh, Germany uh, handled the situation super well, and they they it was normal." Uh, like before I moved, and then right after I moved, um, things start to worsen, and then um, we weren't sure if we are gonna be able to have classes uh, like offline um we weren't sure about uh many things and then before the school started uh, uh, like we were told like we have to be online uh, until further notice basically um so and that situation lasted for entire year <laughs> so i it was not very fun everything's close everything like you can't even see your classmates um and it was very isolated i think i i really was not very happy in the beginning (laughs) yeah yeah i guess everyone's under a lot of stress yeah first year of pandemic yeah so much uncertainty and everyone's anxious about what's gonna happen next Mm -hmm. it's funny like i applied my visa for germany um in new york and then luckily i got it like just a few days before i my other like u.s visa ran out so i just um packed everything sold everything uh uh, like throw away a bunch of stuff and like took my suitcases and like the Jason Bourne movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, grab your passport and leave the country. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was pretty emotional, but it was also very hectic. Yeah, so I think for the first uh, first few months, I still because of the pandemic, because I couldn't go outside that much. Um, it was. I still felt like I was in New York. Um, like because I didn't have new experiences with like interacting mm-hmm. with people or like going around the city, like close my eyes and then I see uh, like whatever is in New York. But yeah, it was, it was Yeah, like, mentally you were still yeah. in New York. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that was a tough time. But that, that probably also gave you more time to focus on study. That's true. Uh, yeah, I pretty much didn't do anything else <clears throat> other than like eat, sleep, and study, and take classes and study. Um, Looking back at the whole uh, two-year study program of iTech, mm-hmm. uh, so what's your favorite part of iTech? I think so. First year, I didn't really love it, but after a while, I i started to really appreciate it it's just i think my favorite part is um i feel like people are trying to help at least i have a great class um like i love my class um 
were just really helpful for each other. And then also, like the tutors, the researchers, they're like, they're. I really, in the end, just feel like they want to help you. Um, and then, if you don't understand something, they're there to help. Um, and then, uh, there's not that much ego compared to other architecture <laughs> schools, I guess. Like when I was at Pratt, I felt like it was just uh, so much ego. Um, yeah. True. I mean, architects have this reputation of having big egos. Mm -hmm. I guess that's also like a, because of our education in art and design where encouraged to express ourselves and then somehow get more a bit more selfish or self-centered mm -hmm. compared to people from a, a engineering or science background yeah that people are more uh, collaborative yeah in my opinion yeah i feel like uh like the collaborative uh, aspect of engineers right they just want to make a project work um and then i think that sometimes that's really good uh, in my undergrad studies, it was all like a lot of personal projects. Um, like, if you want to make your project yourself, you do it yourself. Like, no one cares. Like, and you can make it whatever you want. And uh, at iTech, it's like I was very. It was hard to adjust to. Like in the beginning, like everything is, you had to make a group. So everything is made with different groups. But I was like, but I want to make my personal project. <laughs> I want to be personally connected to my project. But of course, if you work with other people, then it will be like a portion of you, but like it will be um, portion of other people. So it's not, not as intimate. So I took it took me some time to adjust to it. And then in the end, I felt like, okay, it's beneficial that I work with others and then like learn to communicate with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Collaboration is like a, a big part of iTech yeah. program. Yeah. There's saying that if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go mm -hmm. together, yeah. I guess like learning to collaborate and negotiate and compromise during this group project is like part of the education or the philosophy of this interdisciplinary program. Mm -hmm. That's also like one of the part I like about iTech. So what's your favorite seminar? Are you we're still interested in digital fabrication during this whole uh, two years of study here, or did you like slightly shift your focus or interest? Yeah, I think I definitely shifted uh, a little bit towards the software side of things. Um, before I was like really hands on, like I make everything by my hand. Um, like I'm really good with uh, like hand tools and uh, like uh, physical work. But I think they yeah, actually started to see more and more values of uh, like work, like programming and uh, software. So, yeah, I think I definitely shifted my focus more on software. Yeah, I think that's also in the end, I think 
my my strength is uh, not purely like just being a physical person, but the software and the hardware. Yeah. Did you have any uh, programming ex experience before you came to Stuttgart? Mm, no. Uh, well, I I looked at things on my own, like the year before, like when I was been working at SVA. Um, I I learned, like I looked at the I looked at tutorials um, and stuff. I took classes like in uh undergrad so i i know some basic very very basic things yeah um and then i learned something on my own but i think in the beginning like in the, like i took a grasshopper class in undergrad but basically forgot everything um so i wasn't very comfortable at all like in the beginning of the program, um, I remember like um, we had to build like grasshopper models and stuff, and I was like, okay, I'm not comfortable with that uh, right now. So it, it was, yeah, I was very like scared that I couldn't keep up with the speed. Yeah, but in the end, it was it was okay. I think I have decent software skills now yeah this is very encouraging to a lot of people who are trying to start to learn coding or programming because at the beginning if you don't know nothing about it it seems very intimidating mm -hmm. but like your story actually proved that without any previous experience or background you can actually just learn it very quickly yeah definitely like I wouldn't say it's for everyone, but if you have an interest and if you put your time to it, like you can, you can learn anything. It's, yeah, I think I had that belief as well. Like, okay, because like programmers are just born good at it. <laughs> when I was like, when I was little, in the end, I realized it's just some people got exposed to programming. I know you are a existentialist. Yes. I mean, you probably believe in that you can become whatever kind of person you want. If if you make it happen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you, you just need the motivation, you need to practice. Yeah. And then it's not that difficult yeah. as it seems. Yeah. That's also how I felt, like especially in like modern pro programming languages such as python it mm -hmm. feels very natural yeah i mean you just need to have the need to understand the logic yeah memorize some of the uh principal uh syntax mm -hmm. and then you can start to make something pretty pretty fun and interesting mm -hmm. just with some very simple code yeah definitely that's, that's my experience in the in the first semester mm -hmm. I, I learned a little bit programming in high school mm -hmm. at that time we're we have this visual basic mm -hmm. class okay. in high school and then it's not required for everyone but yeah. i i was like a kind of a curious enough to take that class oh. i think i had a little bit knowledge foundation on those basic concepts 
Yeah. I think, but after like so many years without using it, yeah, uh, it's still quite easy to pick it up.、Mm-hmm. Like once you learn something before, or any of the mathematical kind of、uh, principles you learn in we learn in high school or middle school,、mm-hmm. those all became very useful in during my study here in ITEC. I think in traditional architecture education, computation or mathematics is always kind of ignored, being ignored.、Uh, I guess that's one of the reasons why our profession or the building industry always stays in relatively low productivity compared to manufacturing、mm-hmm. or other industries. Because there was this probably you also noticed the the report from the. Consulting company McKinsey、mm-hmm. about the productivity in the past several decades、mm-hmm. uh, compares several different industries such as agriculture, manufacturing, construction,、mm-hmm. and many others.、Mm-hmm. And we can see almost every industry have this kind of a steep growth、mm-hmm. during nineties and early two thousands. Yeah. Uh, one of the reason is the development of computer.、Mm-hmm. However, we see like the building industry or construction industry stays in a relatively low、mm-hmm. growth compared to even lower than agriculture. Yeah. So I guess that's one of the reasons why I think we really need to start to embrace the technology, embrace the computing power、mm-hmm. of the current. Technology offers to us.、Mm-hmm. I guess that's also one of the reasons why I want to. I decided to give up the opportunities in, in the traditional architecture、mm-hmm. industry or profession, and then came to this institute that focuses on computational design、mm-hmm. or robotic fabrication.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of robotics, big part of your experience or education was actually in robotic fabrication.、Mm-hmm. You had this.、Uh, you, you were working as an engineer、uh, while you were studying. You were teaching assistant in the robo robo lab、mm-hmm. here in the university. So, could you、yeah. tell us more about like how you got into the robotics field?、Mm, to me, it. Like natural,、um, yeah. I I did a little bit of robotics,、uh, like operation in college actually.、Um, like at Pratt, we had like a small robotics lab, and I would I was working there for one semester, and then I was I stopped.、Um, And then I I got exposed to it, and then like coming to coming to attack. One big thing is like you get to work with robots, and they're kind of very famous for that、um, for like robotics fabrication. So because I had previous a lot of previous experience、uh, working with like CNCs and. Like fabrication, I think that gives me a advantage of、um, like being able to get these positions also. So I guess using robot is inevitable here in ICD since we have this like reputation of having a 
robot fetish here. Yeah. But it's still quite impressive that you get this internship at a car manufacturing yeah. company. Yeah. Oh, what was what what did you do in that job? Uh, a lot of robot robot path programming. Um and then also uh some like software development stuff yeah over there um yeah i i kind of like so i went back to china and then um because we weren't able to use the robots at the icd so i kind of found this company that's doing robot stuff so i applied and then i i was able to work with them for a while and then uh, during the time, like I, I learned through them also how to program the robots um, and yeah, work with the robots. So yeah, that got me like uh, some experience. And then um, like the next year, I came back to uh, ICD and then I applied. I was able to apply for the Robo Lab. Uh, Robo lab position and then worked more over there. Um, what does the robots do in your in this internship job? Uh, they did research on uh, like sheet metal forming, and then uh, they are using robots to like three D print, uh, like metal three D printing, like um, and then just like customizable like robot fabrication like type of things and then yeah i i was able to work with the sheet metal for me any experience with working uh, working with sheet metals before i know you have uh, some like, uh, experience of working with different materials yeah yeah during the time in pratt yeah i had uh i had a lot of experience working with my hand of uh sheet metals and also like machines like machining of metal uh so uh, like with like the lathe machine and the um three uh the milling machine um for the metal like for i i did uh manufactured some like parts and like by hand and then did metal stuff <laughs> and metal tools and welding and everything so i'm very familiar with the uh with the craft of it um so basically you can transfer your manual skill to robots through programming at this internship job that helps you to build up your knowledge and skill in how to work with the robot planning the path and then planning uh, the task yeah. for robots. Yeah, definitely give me an intuitive sense of like how should I use the robots. Like it's in the end, uh, it's another tool. And uh, yeah, I just like make better use of the tool through customization um, and software. Yeah. So let's talk about your thesis. I know your thesis is also somehow related to robotics and fabrication process. Mm -hmm. So what's your what's the topic of your thesis? Mm, 
it's called Slack Pack, <laughs> and uh, it's framework uh, fiber winding of deployable structures. Uh, yeah, so I worked with fiber winding for for my thesis and using uh, a dual. What kind robot. of fiber? Uh, carbon fiber. Yeah. No glass fiber, purely carbon fiber. Yeah, carbon fiber roving. Yeah, not sheets. Uh, it's like I, I mean, I think I tech uh, ICD is uh, one of the pioneers of uh, like cordless filament winding. So uh, compared to yeah, I don't know if we want to explain like the technique. True, that's one of the major research field of. ICD here in Stuttgart, and then in some of the pre previous research pavilions, and to make this uh, lightweight, high-strength structure with carbon fiber or combination of carbon fiber and glass fiber, using this cordless robotic methods. Uh, I don't know much about fiber yet. We learned a little bit in the seminar, but I never had any hands-on experience of working with carbon fiber or glass fiber through the robots. So why did you choose this material for your thesis? I worked with two two other colleagues, um, and I think they, uh, they're fine with uh, any material, but personally, like, I wanted to work with fiber um, because it was something new and like something new as in something new uh, to explore um, and I worked a lot with wood before and like ICD pretty much uh, has two different concentrations like there's wood and there's um, fiber so True. yeah so I thought like I mean, like, I've never worked with fiber, like, before, uh, before the masters, and then I want to see, like, what are things to learn in this area, um, and then I know it has, like, application in, like, other industries, like, um, automotive or, like, aerospace, so I thought, like, that should be uh, exciting. Okay, yeah. yeah, carbon fiber does sound like a very futuristic material, and we have seen it been used in uh, airplanes or racing cars or even some of the high-end bicycles. But what's the reason why it's still not being widely used in building industry? I guess the cost. Yeah, probably? because in other industries, uh, you make things by bulk, meaning like if. Uh, if you you don't just make one airplane of the same, uh, you make uh, you make a mold and then you, you make thousands of the same parts, and uh, and the molds are very expensive, um, and then like the material itself is also very expensive. So I think in architecture we make so many one-off objects uh, a lot like. You don't just copy and paste your building. I, I mean, some do, but uh, if if yeah. yeah, like if you make a mold for this building, you can't use the same thing for the other building. So, so this um, car like cordless filament winding is 
good for architecture because uh, like you now you can you don't need like coreless means uh, there's no core anymore like there you um, and then the cost of uh, now you just need to make frames and then like you can customize the shape or form of it uh, with relatively lower cost so yeah i think so the frame of fiber winding is much more affordable than the mold or core for the conventional carbon fiber manufacturing so that make that reduces the cost of the carbon fiber production it's also that, yeah it's also more customizable yeah more customizable because yeah. every building is unique because every building is in a unique situation mm -hmm. the foundation can be different the location the weather the climate yeah and different user different clients and basically every building is its own prototype it's not like in the manufacturing mm -hmm. uh industry you yeah. build one prototype and then you pr can produce based on that prototype like thousands of times mm -hmm. so that's the major difference so yeah. customizable is very beneficial for architecture yeah or building industry i guess yeah that's right so what's the difference between your thesis than some of the previous i i see the carbon fiber projects mm -hmm. so our for our thesis the main idea is uh because like when you wind with fiber you uh you wind with like a soft material like uh and then after uh after you put it in the oven and cure it it will become hardened so the uh we wanted to explore the uh, space frame typology and uh, using carbon fibers because currently uh, what ICD did a lot is like you uh, building it with surface based typologies and uh, like a space frame typology is less explored um, and then so we wanted to explore that aspect with robotics uh, and then uh, so what the core thing for our uh, thesis is for a space frame the relationship between two uh, nodes and the fiber in between them are uh, very important uh, so as as long as you fix these relationships during winding then you you can like let it loose or like tighten it up and then it will maintain its uh, relationships in space so um it's like a web you can loosen it make it collapse and then you can like also tension it as long as you maintain like the relationships between the the distances and the angles between each each the nodes each of the nodes in the web so that's like the core uh, principle of our thesis so so we would have one robot uh, like controlling the distance and then the other robot will 
wind in between the two nodes, controlling the robot controlling the distance between two nodes and the other robot will come and wind it. And during the winding, the nodes will be at the, uh, the final distance. But then after the member is wound, we can like let it loose and then store it somewhere. It's like kind of like you knit uh, things and then like a fishnet. Yeah, yeah. So you knit a fishnet, fishnet, and then in the end you can tension it afterwards, and then it will maintain its uh, desired shape in the end. Yeah. So that means a lot of the previous iTech researchers are actually trying to make this surface-based geometry, and then you are trying to make it a spatial frame. Is it like the difference between a rectangular solid concrete beam versus a, a steel spatial truss? Rectangular beam will be like a surface-based, since it's solid. A, a truss or a spatial truss will be uh, discrete spatial geometry. So you are trying to so use less material to maintain the similar mm -hmm. strength. Yeah. So yeah. geometrically, it's more optimized than the surface. Geometrically, yes. We like so people. We uh, we the three of us are not like structural engineers, so we that's not we in your scope. Yeah, we we didn't really. Yeah, get into too much of the structural performance of uh, yeah. There are uh, like previous examples of researching into like spatial typologies, like um, like our tutor uh, Rebecca's and Fabian, uh, 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 her um, her collaborator Fabian's project. We can we can post some of the images in the show notes, maybe some links in the show notes later. Yeah. So what's the difference between yours and your, your advisors? Yeah, so their project is also um, like uh, uh, spatial typology. And uh, I think the main, uh, like we are very heavily inspired by their work. And uh, uh, I think one difference is uh, like we can create redundancy for each member. So one, while one robot is uh, uh, controlling the distance between two nodes, the ro other robot can wind around the nodes um, multiple times. Uh, so like so depending in the structure, depending on the um, structural, uh, load, uh, we can choose to make a certain member thicker uh, or like make it to have a bigger cross-section. So there is a potential to optimize the cross-section of each linear member mm -hmm. of yes. the, the structure. So how did you design the nodes? So I only have like a very vague concept of the nodes, but uh, what's the physical form of the nodes? Is it yeah, like steel so or wood? The node in the end, we used uh, like 3D printed resin, um, but uh, we, uh, yeah, that's the thing about the nodes. We did like a lot of experiments with like the uh, for shape of the nodes, and in the end, 
we actually went with uh, the more like regular shapes, like with three D printed resin. It's because uh, right, obviously we can explore more, but um, uh, we did used a three D printed resin because uh, we had to have it resist large amount of um, force. Like we had a mechanical engineer person on our team. So he actually went through like a lot of node designs. Uh, in the beginning, like it was, it became like very complicated. Um, and then like it introduces other issues that we did not expect. So we decided uh, for a while that okay maybe we just use the what they already are using uh so we went back to regular nodes like a washer and the sleeve and another washer like type of nodes uh and then we were like 3d printing them with like regular plastic uh we used that for a while during the winding we have to fix the fiber on the node so we have to uh, like heat it up. So there is a procedure called re um, resistive heating. So uh, the, we heat up the node uh, and then that will kind of dry up the fiber around the node so it can stick on the node in order to keep its position. Yeah, that must be like a very critical for your project because yeah. since you want to keep the nodes position or the relative relationship between the linear members. Mm -hmm. So it's very important to keep this yeah. fiber stick onto the nodes yeah. when they're loose. Yeah, so that's very important. Uh, so in the end, I will realize, okay, we can't use plastic printed uh, nodes anymore. So uh, we found this um, like temperature resistant uh, resin. Um, so in the end, we use that. In terms of the shape, um, we also went through like iterations of uh, like having different types of washers and then different like cross sections of the nodes to keep the fiber in the center or having it not slide off the washer. Yeah. So. We did like a lot of iterations of the design, but in the end, we just went with like the washer and sleeve. So the shape of the nodes are regular, but we built this uh, system. So the, the robot will come and grab the node, move it up, and then have the other robot wind around it. Yeah, I think the final product is really cool. Uh, I've seen your pre final presentation of the thesis. It's a deployable structure, basically. Yeah. You, you let the robots to wind the fiber in the kind of loosened state, and then you post-tension it mm -hmm. when it's transported onto the construction site. Yeah. So basically, you can keep it in a very like a compact form during production and mm -hmm. transportation, and yeah. then once it's in the construction site, you can basically pull it up with a crane or a robot, and then you can achieve some much larger scale structure with this compact shaped uh, package. So 
how does the curing happen? Because we know for the fiber composite to achieve certain strength, yeah, you have so, to cure it. So this definitely, this aspect would need to be developed further. Uh, like we proposed a system where you have deployable ovens. So on site, you can inflate like a enclosure and then you can heat the internal of the inflatable environment up and then you can like try to uh, distribute the heat more evenly. So that that's also very important. Um, and we tested it with a smaller environment in the RoboLab and uh, we were able to heat it up to 110 degrees just with like uh, regular uh, plastic enclosures and uh, having a heat gun blowing into the system. Yeah. So yeah, I think with more like development, uh, this could be possible. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, also the inflatable oven is also smart idea. Yeah. I still remember the cool rendering in your final presentation, the deployable structure on Mars or Moon yeah. or somewhere else. Have you been thinking about like entering this aerospace engineering while you were working on your thesis? No, not at all. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was surprised myself. I think I did not plan on, like, I didn't know it was possible. Like I found out the company while we were doing the thesis. You mean your current job? Yeah, my current job. What's the name of a current company? Yeah, it's called Gradel. I, I don't know the exact French pronunciation of it. Gradel. Gradel, yes. I think you did better than me. So what does this company do? What kind of project are they working on? Yeah, so they, the the company, like the, the bigger like corporation has business in nuclear and uh, space. In the recent three years, uh, they started like a lightweight business, uh, working with carbon fiber and endless filament winding for the space industry. Uh, so basically they're doing a robotics cordless filament winding. Um, oh, that's like, exactly your specialty. Yeah, and uh, manufacturing components for the space industry. I found them out uh, like uh, together with my teammates actually um, during thesis. We were looking at like an example for us, um, and then I didn't think, okay, I'm gonna work there or anything at the time. Um, they also weren't hiring like a full time person. Um, so I didn't think about it too much. Like one time we looked at their hiring like mechanical engineers for with like 15 years of experience. And I was like, that's too far out of my reach. And then before, before I graduated, actually one of the alumni who's working with the company uh, reached out to us and asked like if there's anyone interested uh, to become a team member and uh, of course I had to apply and yeah so, of course yeah that kind of just happened <laughs> and then now I'm here working with them 
Yeah, yeah the cordless robotic fiber winding is quite a niche area. I guess not many institutions are working on or doing research on this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no wonder. Like, I'm, I'm not surprised there are like alum, alumni working in in this company. Yeah. Sounds like exactly how you discovered iTech or ICD. Like you, you heard about it and then you archive it in your in your memory in your brain, yeah. and then later when there's opportunity, you can just uh, hop yeah. on the wave and like, like yeah. seize the yeah. the job opportunity. How long have you been working on this in this position? Uh, I worked so far. I think almost three months now. So how do you like it so far? What kind of tasks are you working on? Yeah, I, I think I really like it so far. Uh, I I'm mostly working with uh, the robots and uh, programming the robots and the software aspect tune the tolerance of the robot so like it can produce things more consistently yeah i want to build like a software system for winding pretty much so how many people are working on your team are you the only one in charge of this software development for the robotic fabrication yeah no i'm not the only one i'm uh we have obviously uh one one of the alumni was work is working with us uh, and then like there's my direct manager who used to work at eth is with us for the robot robotics uh side and then we have um, some interns so it's like still growing like a growing team um yeah yeah i think the, the limit of the current robotic fabrication is actually in the brain or in the software not really the hardware because there have been experiments that if a human teleoperating or like remotely control a robot the robot can manipulate material and then complete a lot of tasks but to let the robot do it on its own it, mm-hmm. it actually is, can be sometimes quite problematic so that's why a more intelligent software system is actually the, currently the bottleneck for yeah. for this industry probably yeah i yeah. guess yeah that's why i think it's very interesting and fascinating area to work in so what kind of a robotic programming language or software system are you using is it still like i know in like icd we're mostly working with kuka industrial robots are you still working with kuka no we actually i'm i'm working with abd robots now and the company is it very different well the like basic principles are the same but and, and then there's also a lot of smaller differences in in terms of operation and like where things are stored um and yeah i like it so far yeah yeah i'm sure a lot of the skills are transferable from your previous internship or the work at icd i mean it should be easy to transfer the kuka knowledge to abb robots yeah i i think it just it only took me like a week to like familiarize with like the abb system and then like being able to use their language to like operate nice do you still work with rhino and grasshopper for the geometry design 
Yeah, we we still use Grasshopper a lot. Sometimes uh, we just program the robot directly, but with more complex geometries, it's still easier to visualize it with Rhino. There's like a plugin called Robot Component for ABB robots, and we can customize it. So that's a plugin for Rhino or for Grasshopper? For Grasshopper, yeah. Uh, it's, I think it's developed by University of Castle, um, and they did a really good job with like documentation. So it was really easy to get started with. Do you also work yeah. with other programming languages there to set up the, the pipeline from design to fabrication? Yeah, mostly Python. use Python scripting a lot, like inside of Grasshopper, but because we will we will be implementing computer vision um, uh, and the, like error correction and uh, like collision avoidance. So with those, I think we might like take it outside of uh, Grasshopper. Mm. That means there will be like a future possibilities of integrating more sensors or cameras. Yeah, to provide we, yeah. more input. We are working with a team from South Korea to like make these things come true. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited for that. Adding more senses to the robots so it can, it can be more adaptive. Yeah, because uh, for fiber winding, it's like a lot of things are so very unpredictable true. if we're able to adapt to the changes in real time, it, it will be very helpful. Sounds like your job is also very research-based. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because this is a very new technology and uh, we are still exploring the possibilities. Ultimately, I think I I would personally like to like focus on like, okay, I, I worked with fiber winding and then now I can transfer these skills like in robotics and software to other type of um, technologies. Yeah. Yeah, I can see this consistency from your early education, your interest in material, and get your hands dirty, and then eventually you end up in this high-tech research working environment. I think that's a really inspiring uh, career path for many people from an architecture or design background. But what's the biggest benefit you get from your architecture education? Since you're now you're drifting pretty far away, or do you think arch your architecture education is beneficial for your current job? Uh, yeah, I think the biggest benefit is probably through this education, I was able to be uh, exposed to so many fields. There are people like I know now going into like movie production, like digital effects and uh, robotics and fabrication. And then some other people are doing like completely software. So it's like you, it's, we're able to, I think we're able to do it because we are exposed to it during our education and it's, it's really free. So you, you can, um, if you like making models, you go make models. If you like 
drawings, you do drawings. If you like computer software, you like, you can dig into more of like, you get exposed to like all these, all these things. Uh, and then in the end, uh, you can find what you are really interested in. Like for me is uh, like digital fabrication and the software. So I was able to connect uh, these things together. Whereas if you go to engineering school, I, I mean, I never personally went, but I feel like it will be more constraining, like in terms of the options uh, and like the variety of, <laughs> of exposures you you get yeah exactly i think architect is one of the profession with the, the longest history in human civilization this subject covers such a broad variety of topics from art engineering science technology the economy history and everything basically it's such a large umbrella that yeah. can offer this kind of a perspective of the world with more kind of a in a more holistic way i think that also help us to decide what we really want to dig deeper or go further in our later career yeah although i mean there have been a lot of criticism about the kind of unhealthy culture in current architecture profession, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I still really appreciate my architecture education. Yeah. Yeah, although we're, we're both drifters. Yeah, drifters. <laughs> Going a bit far away from architecture, but I think the starting point is set us in a pretty good position. I still, I still think about the question uh, <laughs> sometimes. Is it really worth it? Uh, but still debating myself i guess that's life yeah it's really nice chatting with you thank you and then i hope we can do this more often i would like to hear more about what you're doing in luxembourg yeah same same as you i think i'll just keep learning um, i'm like very excited for future like improvements yeah so perfect thank you so much no problem thank you bye Moisi. bye bye